Hey. Hey, gang. I'm Corinne. And I'm Rainey. We're just a couple of gal pals. And welcome to Being an Artist is Fucking Killing Me. I feel like we need to rant a little bit at the top of today's show. Yes, definitely. <laughs> um, so I went to a Barry's class yesterday. And it was, if anyone doesn't know, Barry's is Barry's Boot Camp. It's an awesome workout. It really is. It's $38 a class, which is bananas. It's just an hour, right? It's 50 minutes. Yeah. What? It's yeah. not even it. Okay. Mm. And like granted, SoulCycle is also, you know, 32 to $36. Yeah. Spin classes are 30 bucks. I mean, bar classes are 25 to right. 30. Yeah. Right. Um, and people will pay it yeah. because your market is huge. There's tons of people that want to go that work in the city that have wonderful jobs that are getting paid great money. That's fine. Yeah. In terms of dance classes, let's have a conversation about that. <laughs> we are contemporary dancers. So we don't do commercial work. We don't do co- commercial work. We don't have that commercial money coming, th- flying at us. Yeah. For you to charge over $20 for a contemporary class is bonkers to me. I understand everyone needs to make money for a drop-in class. Sorry, that should be prefaced. For a drop-in class is bonkers to me. You're limiting your market. We're contemporary dancers. Some of us are very lucky to have side gigs. That pay good money. Some of us aren't. Yep. And, for, I mean, just, like, find other ways to, like, limit your funds. I get, like, you have to make us money off it, and we all appreciate you organizing these classes and organizing this. Yeah. But there's other ways to do it where we don't have to spend as much money. Do we need three photographers for a workshop? Do we need two do we need videographers? To like, yeah. Do you need to document it all like that? Yeah. Can you not just like get your phone out? Get your phone out. Because it's just going to go on Instagram anyways. Yeah. Or I mean, Corinne just brought up an excellent point. Like you can also go on buns, (laughs) you know, like we just had our production party and you want to know how we got our DJs? Yeah. Buns. Yeah. We just like wanted other people that want to work to work with us and we just made network connections and offered to like collaborate in the future and they were totally cool with that. Yeah. And I mean like. Yes, not everybody can work for free, and there's that argument, and everybody should be paid. But if you're going to make the argument that you need to make money off this as well, and you're trying to also bring something towards the community, then you also need to make exceptions. Yeah. And by having a high price point, you make it pretty exclusionary for a lot of people. Yes, definitely. Yeah. And for like a commercial class at Millennium or Underground, like we talked about, it's commercial dance. Yeah. And those are big, beautiful studios that have to pay their rent and right. And their market is a lot larger. So they pull from a lot of different resources. Right. They like, have beginner classes. They have intermediate classes. They have, mm-hmm. you know, advanced classes. To just do a professional or advertise as a professional level class. And contemporary. And contemporary. Yeah. Which is already a limited dance. There's mm-hmm. a limited number of dancers in this community that are contemporary dancers. Yeah. Is just astounding to me. So I would just challenge the community to rethink how you do your pricing points in the future. And how can you be more... Don't complain about not having enough people there. Think about what you can do to get more people there. And maybe rethink your price points. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Anyway, just just a small rant for the day. (laughs) We're moving on. Yeah. (laughs) So today we're here with independent artist and dancer Bo Lamb. Do you want to start with like an origin story? Oh yes, as per your helpful <laughs> prompt this morning, <laughs> I told you. which yeah. obviously <laughs> I uh, thought about in great depth. Origin story. I that's tough because I I think I've just always been moving and grooving forever. Yeah. <laughs> um, I remember dancing around our living room all the time as a kid. Uh, My parents raised us on like mostly classical music with like a couple of Beatles CDs, one Queen CD, one Michael Jackson CD, and one CD (laughs) that was this like mix of like Beach Boys top hits. And so those were my tunes for the first little bit of my life. <laughs> we had some great, um, like, compilations of classical ballets that mm-hmm. I would create my own variations to. Um, 
Yeah, I was never, I grew up um, on a, in a town on Vancouver Island, so it wasn't like competitive dance like here. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that was maybe a little bit different. I feel lucky to have been able to train with teachers that allowed us to have creative play in our classes as well. And um, I didn't start doing, you know, more technical ballet until I was, I think, in grade I guess kindergarten, grade one, grade two. Um, but it wasn't like I was three years old and doing drills. I was right. like three years old, like running around the studio with a scarf. <laughs> <laughs> Loving it. Sweet. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then you went to Ryerson? And then I went to Ryerson, yep. Did you move to Toronto right out of high school, like 18? No, I took a year after high school. I... Um, I'm like, how how personal do I make this storytelling? Um, when I was in grade 12, I tried to move away from home for dance. Mm. Uh, and I went to an incredible program in Vancouver for three months. And then I tapped out because I just mentally... Program? Which program? <laughs> <laughs> I have like it's ideas in my head. It's a great program. It's at Arts Umbrella in yes. Vancouver. Um it was, you know, I'd done their summer program before and my best friend uh, went there and I was really excited to do this, you know, half a day of high school, half a day of training thing. And I, but I think I didn't really anticipate the challenges of leaving my family and living with another family and, um, and grade 12 and feeling that pressure of like grades. And I'd been with the same kids since like preschool, yeah. <laughs> you know, in my small town and to all of a sudden be in Vancouver and faced with just such an overwhelming amount of change and feeling like I was very alone in that was, was really hard. So, um, yeah, I, Took a time out from all things dance for a little while after I moved back home and called it quits. Uh, but I couldn't stay away. So mm -hmm. then I started training again. And that was, a um, again, a crazy challenging process because by the time I kind of figured, what I, figured out how I was feeling and what I wanted to do and went back into class, by then um, my, like, everyone else in my class was you know so much stronger and and I was significantly behind technically so that created a whole bunch of other kind of psychological mm -hmm. insecurity like insecurities yeah, totally. and frustrations uh yeah and so then I graduated and I decided to take a year to just kind of continue to get back on my feet and uh I looked at different universities like York and Ryerson. I loved how Ryerson was right downtown. I'd always dreamed about like living <laughs> in a big city and like, I mean, Vancouver at that time was challenging, but like Vancouver and Toronto are very different oh, places yeah, right. and we're, cultures. And we're both, we've built on the small town to big city moves. So yeah. Like, we get that. Yeah. yeah. Country mouse. Yeah. <laughs> always feeling like you're on the outside looking in. A little bit. Yeah. 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 Um, and so, yeah, I, I love that Ryerson was right downtown and, um, I, I flew out to audition, um, I'll never forget, like, Nadia Potts yelling at me as I went across the floor, like, fly, <laughs> Bo, fly, and I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> here I go, <laughs> um, and I, I, like, as soon as I stepped into that old theater school, like, I was like, oh, I want, I want to go here, um, yeah, so then I moved here uh, in 2007 and loved it like I was so excited it um again it was a bit of kind of a culture shock because so many of the people in my class had grown up in such competitive right. like studios and stuff and they're so talented and they can do like aerials mm -hmm. which I will never be able to do <laughs> I just accepted that as not my thing um yeah and I think my back Ground was just a little bit different, but um, yeah. Cool. Yeah. And then Ryerson, and then graduated. I took another little break from dancing after I graduated from Ryerson as well. I felt like I needed a little breather. How long was that break? Almost a year. Wow. I was taking um, 
some acting classes afterwards. I really found that we had a couple of acting courses at Ryerson near the end. Um, I guess, I can't remember if it was third year and fourth year or just fourth year, because I'm old, so I don't remember anymore. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I loved acting class, and I um, really appreciated like just the honesty of the process, and I think I'd gotten to this place in dance where I was so consumed by anxiety and like criticizing what I looked like and what I thought I was doing and I just felt really stuck and so when I graduated I kept going with some acting classes to just kind of have some kind of artistic creative outlet Um, and I also found that um, I mean the classes I was taking after I graduated were with uh, John Boylan and so much of what he, you know, the points that he gives throughout class, I found applied so beautifully to life as well. I can't give you a specific example okay. as I'm thinking right now. I'm like, I don't even know what that would be. But I think just the way, like, of that sense of being so present and mm-hmm. being so open and mm-hmm. those things really hit home with me. Um, yeah, and then I ended up having, uh, getting a, an interview with an agent and... And I was, I was in this meeting with him. He was talking to me about, like, what my options might be and, um, and like, how much work I'd have to do if this was something I wanted to pursue, which is really... To um, be an actor. Actress. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, um, and I remember thinking, like, oh, that's exhausting. Like, who would put that much <laughs> energy and effort into something? The only thing I'd ever do that for is dancing. And then I was like, oh, oh, no. Oh. <laughs> I was like, oh, I miss it. It's time. <laughs> and so then I started again, and then I just decided to kind of jump in. I emailed a few people um, and just said, like, hi, I want to dance. Can I dance with you? <laughs> and um, I ended up doing um, a fringe show that summer, and then that was the first year I auditioned for Raptors, so I ended up doing that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then from there, everything just kind of kept building. Building, yeah, slow snowball. So you said you were feeling really vulnerable after university and you weren't feeling like you wanted to dance anymore. Do you think the reason was because of university? Do you think it was personally? I think it was um, a little bit of of both. Mm -hmm. I think in hindsight, um, and especially in recent years, I've done a lot of uh, work kind of addressing and exploring my... Uh, personal anxiety and I think that in hindsight like that had a really huge impact Mm -hmm. although at the time I just thought it was me being realistic you know like there's always been a really strong voice in my head that tells me that I'm not good enough and you know blah 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 Mm -hmm. all the things that we say to ourselves and I think at the end of university I'd really just I told myself I was being realistic and I was just like you know what, you're not good enough, you never will be, like, just call it a day. Like, you know, just stop, reevaluate what your strengths are and uh, and then figure out, you know, where you can go back to school and find a new path. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's so funny because that thought has, like, come up, you know, other times too, but it was really in, in that like those last months of, of university where I was like, no, like it's just time, you know, just. Do you remember like specific instances where that was more present or was it just like a general feeling for you? Hmm, That's a good question. I feel like it's just kind of a general feeling Mm -hmm. and it's interesting even, um, the first year that I did Raptors, I, the audition fell on the same day as our closing performances for Fringe. So I went to the audition and then I made the first round and then I had to leave because I had to go do the show. So I remember I went in and I went up to the panel and um, and I went to Amberly and I was like, ah, in front of all these people and I was like, I have to go. And I felt so bad because I was really excited by that point and um, and uh, yeah, and I wanted to make a good impression. I was like, oh my gosh, who just leaves it? I was like, I, I have a show, like I have to leave. And somehow by like a lot of luck and um, some good friends, they ended up calling me in for an interview and I ended up getting the spot anyways. 
Um, but I'll never forget like showing up for the first rehearsal and being like, oh my gosh, like I didn't earn this. You know what I mean? Like I didn't make it to the end because the girls were like, oh, we like didn't see you at the end. I was like, no, I had to leave. I had a show up. <laughs> like, oh, that's so awkward. Oh, and and then I, and I just felt like, in, you know, because it can go either way. Like it can be like, yay, I, I got this thing. I didn't do the whole mm-hmm. process, but I really felt it like, um, you know, I don't deserve to be here. Like I didn't earn it. I didn't, I didn't go through all the necessary steps and like, how do I even know that I'm capable of being here? And then all that doubt was like flooding my body and we like had our first rehearsal and I was like, Oh my God, like it's so fast. All these hair flips and like everyone's (laughs) so cool and beautiful and like, Oh my gosh, it was so scary. Yeah. (laughs) That's so interesting that you talk about that as like having feeling like an imposter. Right. I was literally just talking to my mom about like imposter syndrome and so um, real. So oh. real. Yeah. And I and I yeah, it's so crazy how even though, you know, I I am proud of to have this um really nice collection of of work that I've done over the past few years, but like even with that, there's so many times where I like we'll be in rehearsal like oh my gosh what am I doing here do I even know anything right Right. I think everybody can relate to that I think so too yeah Yeah. everybody has a little bit of not feeling like they belong and Mm -hmm. even if the movement isn't feeling good on your body you feel like that right Right. you're just having an off day like you're like I'm tired yeah or sick Mm -hmm. I'm just not getting this not in my Mm -hmm. own body right like amplifies those feelings yeah all that, at the same time being like foreign or like just not yeah mm. but I do think that it makes me appreciate and uh yeah amplifies my gratitude for those moments where I do feel so present and mm-hmm. like I do belong and like oh yes like this my body is safe here mm-hmm. like this is my jam (laughs) has dance become more of a safe space for you over the years um yes I think that as I've become more comfortable in creating uh my own sort of vocabulary and my own sense of self within dance it's definitely become significantly more safe Mm -hmm. yeah and I think that also helps when I go into classes or situations where, you know, it feels new and scary. (laughs) Um, It allows me to stay grounded in like the fact that I do still have value, you know, Mm -hmm. there's still worth there. Mm -hmm. It's just different. Mm -hmm. Uh, Speaking more on the Raptors, how long did you dance with them for? I did two seasons. I did um, 2012, 2013. And then I took two years off, and then um, my friends encouraged me to come back for 2015, 2016, when All-Star Weekend (laughs) slash Madness was happening. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So you're not with them this year? No, no. No. I'm officially retired. I've hung up my boots. Right. (laughs) So how did that decision come about? Um, Because that's a huge contract. That's Yeah, and I really loved it. Like, I I know, I think... um, you know, different types of dance serve people differently for different reasons at different times. Mm-hmm. Um, the first year that I did it, I felt really conflicted, kind of like what I was saying before, but like I didn't feel like I'd really earned it. I like mm-hmm. felt really kind of outside, but I wanted to belong. And I, um, yeah, I think what I loved most about it was that sense of community. Um, not just with like the girls and the dance pack, but outside of that, this like huge sports fan community mm-hmm. feeling, right. which I'd never been part of before. Like a sports were so terrifying and yeah. <laughs> intimidating. And I, I never went to any sporting events really. Well, well, for a while when I was younger, I went to a few football games, but um, like basketball was new to me everything was new and to be in an arena with like that many people like united for this cause like yeah. and like basketball like and it's basketball. not just a canadian sport it's like an international well, not international yeah. national basketball league nba mm-hmm. it's yeah. big 
It is. It's really big. And I think I really appreciated, um, especially being so close, like the artistry and the technicality of their form and the athleticism and this um, like strategizing of the plays, all of that. I'd never seen it in that light before. And mm-hmm. that was really special to finally kind of understand why people cared so much about sport. <laughs> I was like, oh, this is why people get so into it. Um, yeah, I loved it. I've gone on a tangent. You did have a question. Oh, just why did you decide to why leave Why did I them? leave? Yeah. Well, the first time I decided to stop um, was because I wanted to put on a show, and so I and I knew I couldn't juggle all of the things I was doing and create what I wanted to, so that was that one, and then... 2015, 2016, it was such a, like, perfect season, and I considered doing it again. I, um, a lot of my friends on the team were leaving, and they, because they'd done it all the way through, so they'd been, like, five years in, they were like, okay, we're done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we can't throw any more t-shirts. And, um, <laughs> and I was like, I love throwing t-shirts, but <laughs> I think I also, I just felt ready for, some kind of change, but I wasn't sure what that was. And I, I think I was also a little bit um, concerned that if I stayed with it, I might get stuck. And I don't know if that's really valid. There's definitely times where I regret like not doing it for one more season mm-hmm. um, just because I, I really enjoyed it. And the, like, the confidence and that it gave me was really, um, really special. And I think also that... can like you mentioned, it's a big contract and it's mm-hmm. really rare to find work like that in this city where right. you are yes. constantly, constantly for like basically a full year in rehearsal and performing, you know, every single mm-hmm. week, every week. Yeah. And so and to you know go, your schedule you, the entire year. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, until playoffs and then it's just a mess, <laughs> <laughs> but no one cares because it's all exciting. Yeah. Um, but I, what I was going to say is I think what really benefited what I found really beneficial was this constant process of you get this new routine the choreo for me was always so challenging just because it's not how my body like instinctively wants to move it's Mm -hmm. really specific and sharp and um it's quick um Amberly is still the choreographer and um, she does these like transfers of weight that go from like one leg on the same I don't know how to explain yeah. it but like it always was really challenging for me so <laughs> it felt really nice also by the end of that season to have like a handle on her style too <laughs> um and yeah but this process of like getting this movement that feels impossible like oh my god how am I gonna master mm-hmm. this and not be this random wild card going in the wrong direction <laughs> yeah. in front of all Hair whipping in the opposite direction. direction. (laughs) Or like falling. Like, oh gosh. I I was always so, so nervous. Um, But then, and then to practice and then get it and then perform it and celebrate it and get to celebrate it with all of these beautiful women and, Mm -hmm. um, and then go on and repeat that process. And to be able to do that continually, I found that was so helpful just in as like a general life metaphor you know what I mean like Mm -hmm. you you get something it feels impossible you practice you get better you celebrate you do it again yeah totally yeah and I think because now my work is so (laughs) sporadic and like all over the place sometimes you have a million things sometimes you have nothing and to create for yourself that same process is is challenging right so but important to be reminding yourself all the time that we're capable of that. Totally. Yeah. Right. Um, how do you find you're getting most of your work these days? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, specifically, let's, I want to talk about Mixie. Mixie was a dream. Okay. Oh my God. It was so fun. Um, it's the first time I ever choreographed a play. Yeah, so that's like cool. imposter syndrome was rampant. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, what am I doing here? Um, but that one, I, I've done some work with Fujen Theater mm-hmm. um, previously. They're Toronto's um, Asian Canadian theater company. And uh, they're amazing. They've done some really great work. And uh, David Yi, who's the artistic director, is uh, the same mix as me, half Chinese, half Scottish. I mean, I'm Scottish, British, blah, 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 but Mm -hmm. basically the same mix. So, like, we have a nice little bond there. (laughs) And um, (laughs) so he invited me on board 
for Mixie and um, it was so cool to have this whole cast and crew that was almost entirely Mixies, <laughs> which is, I guess, our official term now. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, the uh, director, director Jenna Rogers, um, was just wonderful to work with. I've like always wanted a big sister, and I feel like I got really close to having one through that Aww. process, which is cool. <laughs> um, yeah, and like the cast was fantastic. We had two lead um, actors and then they each had this like kind of shadowy blonde figure which was played by a dancer and they had a pink jacket and they had pink yeah. yeah all the blondes were like bl matching blonde wigs and matching pink jackets and then we had three um, other chorus blondes who were fantastic and so we got to create this um, world for, of adventure for Mixie and Trixie to go on a cultural identity discovery journey <laughs> yeah that's cool um mm. did you it's like within that process obviously it's super important to you like representation and mm. finding yourself or finding space being someone with uh mixed, mixed background yeah, yeah background yeah it was really interesting because we'd all had so many different experiences and mm -hmm. i think it was really cool to be confronted with these questions and and differences and think about my own childhood and uh, and yeah my experiences being mixed because it's so different even just from my sisters um and who and uh, my sister actually was able to come see the play and it was so cool because we got to talk about it and and um it was just so interesting to have these conversations mm -hmm. that we hadn't had before um and I think some things that made big impacts were where people grew up in terms of like smaller communities mm -hmm. or bigger cities mm -hmm. uh, and just who else was around. I mean, Nanaimo, when I was a kid, I it's strange because I n was never really super uh, conscious of being mixed. Like when mm -hmm. I was younger, I thought my name was cool. Like, yeah. <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was chill with it. Um, but I also think that it can depend, like, um, how you present. Like, I look, I can look relatively Caucasian depending on, you know, how I do my hair, like, how tanned I am, <laughs> you know. And um, so depending on what features are more predominant, that will significantly affect how your experience is as well. Um, yeah, but we had some really interesting questions that were raised about just kind of where you feel like you belong do you feel like you belong equally with both sides of your family do you feel more comfortable with one side of your family or the other and then why is that mm -hmm. um and so those were really interesting things to just kind of reflect on and journal on and wow yeah um being mixed you find that it's affected you negatively or positively as an artist in terms mm. of like auditioning or in terms of getting work or in terms of not getting work yeah, that's a good question. I think, and obviously this is just my like personal experience. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, something that I remember thinking about when I was doing those acting classes was um, one of my best friends is an actor as well, and uh, she started the classes with me and then kept going. She's now like a real actor. <laughs> um, and uh, she's a beautiful, tall, blonde um and uh, I remember having a kind of a recognition early on that, you know, the types of roles that she's going to go for and the people she's going to get to represent are going to be very different from what I would probably do if I were to go right. mm -hmm. into that direction. So that was something that I was always really aware of. Um, and in terms of dancing, I, I think less mixed more like body type has been okay. more of a yes. impact on mm -hmm. my I feel that too yeah yeah <laughs> yeah I yeah. feel you yeah. <laughs> um and so I think with Raptors um being mixed maybe was helpful because they do a really nice job at trying to showcase the diversity of the city um mm -hmm. within yeah, the they, team they think about representation a lot when they, they cast yeah because yeah. it's really... commercial and because yeah. just like the city of Toronto is so mm -hmm. diverse they want to 
And basketball. Like, look at the communities that basketball is, like, you know, really popular in, Mm -hmm. right? You want to represent your fans. (laughs) Yeah. Totally. Um, And to just be, like, accessible to as many people as possible. Yeah. Especially because, I mean, we did a lot of... Um, I know I'm jumping back to Raptors, but they do a lot of really great like community outreach things and mm-hmm. kind of basketball clinics and stuff like that. And so it's really nice to have faces that represent and reflect the kids that are attending Coming these in. clinics. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I think that was helpful there. Um, and I really appreciated being able to like connect with Chinese basketball fans and be like, yes, like <laughs> Ningbo Lam, here I am. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, in regards to dancing, I, I don't think my ethnicity has had an impact really if at all. If anything, it's been positive in terms of helping me. Mm-hmm. Um, like this past summer, uh, I had the honor of participating in the Soul Pepper Shen Development Series. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, that was for Asian-identifying artists mm-hmm. to create work. And uh, so, I mean, that was helpful in that regard. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I think in terms of dancing specifically, yeah, I'd say more like body type. Like my body is not a dancer's body, you know, right. like in terms of feet and legs and stuff. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cool. Mm-hmm. Um, talking about representation, do you feel like as an artist that it's part of your duty to be representative because you're a person of color Mm. you know do you think about that a lot I think about that a lot more now than I used to Mm -hmm. and I also I mean I I think another thing about Mixie is that like it's really helped me look at my own privilege in that regard as well because as um, a mixed person who presents more as Caucasian, right? I'm certainly not experiencing anywhere near to the discrimination or prejudice that other people, especially other artists of color, would be. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think it's important, I feel it's important to add my voice um, in solidarity mm-hmm. and in support of everyone who's on this journey. Um, yeah, but I think it's important to do so in a way that recognizes the privilege that I'm coming from as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Totally. Right. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so you've done a lot of commercial work. Yeah. And you, but you're <laughs> kind of like... <laughs> Which you're is, veering, you're veering all over the place. I know it's a little mixed bag of random things. <laughs> I like what it. My career it's is. Great. Yeah. Thanks, guys. You I like it too. You I think, and it's funny because I think about that like when I was journaling on on Mixie and and what that means and belonging and what that means. You know those themes of being one or other as opposed to being able to be both is mm-hmm. something yes. that I think is present within the arts community as well, mm-hmm. especially people now. Tr- people try to, like, pigeonhole you or yeah. to, like, yeah. put you in a box so right. they can understand you yeah. or whatever. Because people want to understand. They, wanna, yeah. they want yes. things to make sense. They yeah. want to know, oh, this is so-and-so. They're they, commercial dancers. They do that. They do that. They I do that thing. And this person does that, that thing, and that makes sense to me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I truly I, believe the most interesting dance we have lately is mm-hmm. the fusion that's being created between... Yeah all the different types of forms and mm. commercial dancers with contemporary dancers with, yeah. you know, jazz, classically trained jazz dancers. Being with, collaborative. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's creating all new genres. It is. Yeah. It's really interesting, I think, to witness this, like, coming together of, right. of cultures and genre, dance genres, mm-hmm. techniques, um, and training. I think it's can be challenging because I know some people feel really passionately about, you know, the um, foundations of certain techniques and, mm-hmm. and it doesn't always work when it's being pulled together mm-hmm. with other things. So, yeah, it is interesting seeing because everything is coming together. And I think for many people um, to find like as consistent and steady work as possible, being able to have such a diverse range is right. really important. But I do think that there is still value in being like, you know, a super master of one style and really pouring your heart into that. I think, 
I think people maybe sometimes, especially when you're training right now and you're taking all of these different styles, right. mm-hmm. I think it's important to recognize and remember that like you don't necessarily have to. Like there is strengths mm-hmm. within that, but like there's also an you importance. You don't have to in, be everything. You don't have to be everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, no one can really be everything. No, that's... Yeah, that so it's like a fine relationships, balance. right? Yeah. You can't be everything to one person. You mm-hmm. have to have like diverse... Yeah. friend groups you have to have people that offer different things mm-hmm. you have to offer different things to people right mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. or else it's gonna be exhausting yeah mm-hmm. and I think there's maybe also like on that note is you know different things serve different purposes for us and you can still train in many styles and um you don't necessarily have to like be a professional in all of those styles. Mm-hmm. And right. I think maybe that's sometimes something that we forget sometimes because there's definitely value in learning so much, but like what do you do with that information is, right. is different is it, for everyone. Yeah, for do fun. You, mm-hmm. Do you think that the reason that people are finding like they need to do a bunch of different disciplines instead of just one, like mm-hmm. you were talking about, is because the city of Toronto has not as much work as other big yeah. cities, such as New York or L.A. I think so. That dancers have to to book as much work as they need to to survive. Mm-hmm. They need to be as adaptable as possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'd definitely say that's a huge factor in it. Right. Um, I know that, I mean, if you told me when I was, like, 18 that I was going to be a cheerleader, I would have been like, ew, <laughs> no. <laughs> I was, like, so appalled and... Um, <laughs> and I dreamed my whole life of being in some like modern company, right. like with some like nine to five like rehearsal schedule, <laughs> which isn't a thing at all. <laughs> hasn't hasn't been a thing since the eighties. Yeah, really. Yeah, <laughs> dancing in my unitard, like I don't know. So Martha. Yeah. <laughs> and then when I realized that that probably was not going to happen, then I started thinking, okay, what else? is available to me and Mm -hmm. you know things that factor into that are body type and what my strengths are and Mm -hmm. I mean I am a decent cheerleader (laughs) (laughs) um that's just good entrepreneurship though yeah I think that the problem with I mean university programs sometimes is that they teach all these artists how to the skills that they need Mm. but then they leave they don't teach them how to be entrepreneurs within Mm. their own careers yeah and they don't teach you networking yeah they don't teach you that was something i really and you're clearly a very like charming charismatic person that people (laughs) are drawn to that (laughs) you booking a cheerleading gig is it seems very natural for us Mm. you know because you're very smiley and lovely thanks i appreciate that i mean i felt like i felt a lot of shame when I like yeah. booked that first contract so I was like this because goes the, against just the word cheerleader yeah, yeah. And, and immediately and some what people would look at that like contemporary yeah. dancers mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. pigeonhole you know yeah to make you out just be just one type of person right yeah mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. but I think it it makes me that much more thankful that I had that experience because not only with the like the work and the um the dancing part, but just also getting to know all of those women on that team who I definitely would have thought other things about just, Mm -hmm. you know, because we judge everyone all the time, (laughs) you know, and, and so I'm so thankful that I had my eyes opened so beautifully to like how intelligent and, you know, dedicated Mm -hmm. these women are to Mm -hmm. their performance and their craft and yeah. So talking about your idea of like a dance or like a career in dance would have been a company before, you <laughs> yeah. know, when you were younger. Yeah, in my uh, unitard. In your <laughs> unitard. Um, your idea of being like a successful artist has obviously changed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think it still is. You know, I think, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think right now it's guiding that um, definition of success is, you know, being able to create and or be part of work that you know is feeding something in my soul and and teaching me something new challenging me Mm -hmm. um helping me question and um develop you know as an artist uh and then there is a financial element as well because i am fully dependent on my dance work and you know so being able to navigate that is also um has been a bit of an adventure Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, to be able to 
be part of work that is as fulfilling as what I've done has been is really incredible. So that's amazing. Yeah. Great. So what other work are you doing right now? Because you said you're, you're just dependent on your dancing. Mm-hmm. You don't have a side gig. I don't have a side gig. Right. So what other ways are you, are you using your, uh, your art to make money? Know, right? um, well, each month is an adventure. Mm-hmm. Um, currently, I'm in rehearsals for a show coming up on May 5th. Uh-huh. So I can plug that into this yeah, little. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's called Din of Shadows. Uh-huh. Um, and it's, uh, let me preface this by saying two years ago, I or last year? Oh my gosh, when was that? I think it's two years ago. I In the fall, I had the pleasure of being part of this um, composing for dance uh, program at U of T for their music department they had um yeah sorry i actually we did that last year did you with jenna with jenna oh yeah yeah Yeah. Yeah. sweet yeah Yeah. so composing for dance and um they had 12 composers who were currently doing their masters and then cool a bunch of uh choreographers and through that it oh my gosh it was so cool like Mm -hmm. these composers are phenomenal and the other choreographers they're just wonderful people um and so uh, that was super fun. And then one of those composers is producing uh, Din of Shadows with um, Angela. Sorry, his name is Quinn Jacobs. Mm-hmm. And then Angela Bloomberg is uh, doing the choreography. Who She is wonderful. Oh, my gosh. I'm such a fan. I like, <laughs> I'm so excited when they asked me to do it. Um, and so, yeah, May 5th, it's at Array Music, which is um, kind of Queen and Niagara on Walnut Street. Mm-hmm. Um and it's all live music. There's two pieces. So uh, one is by Quinn and the other one is by uh, ah, Julia. I'm blanking on her last name. I'm it's so okay. sorry. But we'll put a link we, somewhere. We yeah. put it, we'll put it in the show notes. Yeah. <laughs> okay, great. Um, and uh, yeah, they're great. Yeah. So I'm stoked for that. I think it's uh, 7 o'clock and 9.30. Cool. I, might, nice. I should have researched this better. I'm so sorry. That's okay. <laughs> So you're doing a show, are you teaching at all? Yes, I teach at the Underground on Thursdays. Um, I'm also currently teaching at uh, Joy of Dance. I teach some teenagers there, which I was also really nervous about. I was like, oh my God, teenagers! (laughs) But they're really great kids. I love teaching kids, for the most part. Nice. Yeah, Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's great. Like all kids, all ages? I teach all the way from 3 to 13. That's amazing. So I sometimes I like the three-year-olds more than the thirteen-year-olds, and sometimes it's the opposite. Yeah, right? but depends on the mood. Depends on how they walk <laughs> yeah. into class. Right. Oh my gosh, I'd love yeah. to to get better at teaching younger children. Mm-hmm. I think I've just been. Yeah, that's my first class that. on Saturdays. Twenty-four, mm-hmm. four to five or uh, four to five-year-olds. Wow. Also, like the yeah, fact I that they let you teach twenty four kids at once it boggles my mind every time. I have an assistant. I have an assistant. Yeah, so there's a lot. <laughs> there's a lot of them. It's crazy. Oh my gosh. Um, so you're teaching at the underground. What do you teach mm-hmm. there? I teach contemporary. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got two, just two classes right now. I had some more, and then with oh yeah, I've also gone back to school recently. Oh, <laughs> so I was doing some school stuff, and then with everything happening, I uh, got rid of a few of my classes there just because it was too much to juggle. Mm-hmm. Um, so currently just two classes, contemporary, but intermediate and advanced, uh, on, at two thirties at two thirty on Thursdays. Mm-hmm. And then I have beginner contemporary at four o'clock. Cool. And, uh, I love beginner contemporary. Like so fun. I love teaching like non dancers, yeah. you know, that, Oh, it's so, they're so wonderful. They bring in so much like excitement. They're so eager. They learn Mm -hmm. so much and just witnessing them connect with their bodies and the music. Oh my gosh. It's so cool. Especially when they like finally get something. Yeah. 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 So rewarding. Yeah. I love it. I love them. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, How long have you been teaching for the underground? I just started there last August. So yeah, not even a year yet. Mm -mm. So in like the new building. The new building. Yeah, yeah, they have like a million studios over there. It's crazy. I haven't been in great. the new building at all. Well, let me know if you'd like to come to class. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, how do you feel about, because Underground opened that new building, mm-hmm. and then Millennium came in in the, in the West. Yes. So have you noticed uh, maybe like a drop in 
Hi. students? Have you noticed a drop in level? Mm, good what questions. have been your thoughts from the inside? Uh, I don't know. I don't know if I can really speak to that because I really am just there for my classes. Right. Um, yeah, I don't know. And it's one of those things where I, like, I'm not really part of that industry. Mm-hmm. I'm dance studio industry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and like the, um, yeah, like that part of the Toronto dance community. I'm like right. friends with many people in there, but like yeah. I don't. I'm not really immersed in it. Um, I think so far everyone's doing well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that what people are liking about Millennium is like their guest um, instructors and stuff that they bring in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've heard that like lots of people teaching there appreciate how once they're on faculty at Millennium in Toronto, I believe that also means they can teach at their other locations around the world. Oh, wow. So, oh, that's a good opportunity. Yeah. Super helpful. Like, don't, yeah. I guess I, that might need to be fact-checked. Yeah. <laughs> but it's a rumor I've heard. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's really neat, especially for people who are like looking to go to LA more and right. stuff like that. Um, yeah, but I think um, Aaron, who owns the Underground, did a really great job. I think he brought that studio to Toronto right when um, we needed it. Right. So, How old is the Underground? Yeah. Uh, oh, gosh. I, I want to say like four, five, not five, three, four years old. Yeah. It's I yeah, feel still like, relatively new. I feel like it would have just opened up before I moved. Like it Really? Yeah, like so maybe four years Mm-hmm. Weeper could probably Google that, but because <laughs> there's Google the four, <laughs> there's four studios that people can train at now as professional dancers or beginner dancers in the city. Right? There's Dance Life, Metro Movement, Millennium, and Underground City Dance Core. City, city Dance Core. Five and GMD, right. if that counts. Yeah, it's not like a. I would a say GMD is more just like but... a class. Than mm-hmm. a... Yeah, yeah. There's like five main mm-hmm. studios mm-hmm. that offer. Professional level, professional level, classes. yes, to the mm-hmm. to the everyday person. Right. Right. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Which is really cool. Someone who was that? Someone was telling me the other day, like the other day, a while ago, um, just like how beautiful it is that dance culture has really picked up again, right. and that there are so many, <laughs> like quote unquote, normal people, you know, who are <laughs> yeah. excited to learn dancing. Mm, yeah. um, and I think that's definitely a huge, a huge plus right. for everyone. It's creating work for dancers yeah. to be teaching and, yes. and it's just, you know, spreading the love yeah. of dance, mm-hmm. which it is seems always like great. All the studios are able to survive. So that means that yeah. good. there's lots yeah. of people, there's, there's a big market for it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's lots of mm-hmm. people that um, want to take class. Yeah. 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 And I mean, like, Millennium and Underground have really, like, upped their social media game. Right. I was just going to say, <laughs> from the outside looking in, like, they're always on. Even just on Facebook before they opened in Toronto, right? Everyone, even, I was talking to one of my girlfriends the other day about it, and she was like, I was talking about Millennium, and she's like, is that the ones with the red wall? Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, yes. So like, Yes. So they yeah. branded themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You right. see that on mm-hmm. Facebook. You see that posted everywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a big kind of, I think controversial like issue of the day with people is like the use of filming in class and you know because I and putting it on social media and putting it on social media and the way how much time is allotted to that per class and like who's being featured and right yeah there's a lot of a lot of weird feels around that yeah yeah yeah. I yeah it's so interesting because I mean how do you go about that he, I, I don't know. I, um, it's hard because I, I appreciate and I see the value to both sides. I mean, as a business, mm-hmm. what they've done is really brilliant. You know, they, they're branding themselves so strongly, so clearly. Mm-hmm. Everyone knows who they are. Um, dancers and non-dancers. Dancers mm-hmm. and non-dancers. Um, they've created hype around like their logos and their studios in a way that makes people, you know, have this goal of, of getting featured and being in a video Mm -hmm. at the end of class. And, and I do think, you know, there's a nice element of having something to work towards to be one of these people. Like, especially if you're coming to class regularly and you're working really hard and you're putting in this Mm -hmm. effort and then you get to, 
celebrate it by being featured and filmed and you get this nice tangible thing to take home from class and be like look what I did you know I think there's there's really great stuff in that um I think the the challenges that come with it include like well um if you're a professional and your job is to perform you want to be able to go to class and not perform you want to be able to distinguish between the two right right and you want to be able to go to class in like your sweatpants and no makeup and just learn as opposed to going ready to (laughs) perform and be on the internet for everyone um so I think that's you know one challenge and the other one is you know how much of class is focused on the development of a uh, skill and Yeah. yeah, yeah of technique of foundations of across the floor, um, you know, all of these elements, and then how much is focused on perfecting something so that it can be filmed, and you so know, that within the, that hour, hour and a half time frame, is that yeah. the best value? I, and I feel like tricky. those videos that they put up mm-hmm. are really about the choreographers, right? not about the students. Yeah, that's so, another tricky thing, because, I mean, with that... I hear that argument. I also see, you know, I've been in classes where the cho- the choreographer, the teacher, does it once by themselves, and it it inspires and lifts the class up because totally. they say, "Oh my God, that is what you're trying to say. Mm-hmm. That is helpful for me. I'm learning from that. Now I can put that into practice." Yes. Right. But you know, there's definitely a line. Yes. Right. And yeah. where does that line go if it's? And do you think that's just an argument, or do you think that's actually what the choreographer is trying to do? Yeah, that's... Yeah. You could argue that some choreographers are more using <laughs> that as an ego. Mm-hmm. And like mm-hmm. just to like boost their social media following. Right. To sure. have as much tangible ed- evidence for them. Right. Yeah. Instead of like being really focused on students. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's tricky. Yeah. And I think it's also... Yeah. It's complex, obviously. Yeah. It is. It's really complex because, you know, as uh, for the people in the city who do like specialize in teaching and running their programs they they have to brand and advertise mm-hmm. themselves mm-hmm. you know what I mean it's just and then it does it have to be in class is it better if it's not or mm-hmm. is it still part of that process I don't know I, I think it yeah. I think it depends a little bit on on genre on the people attending class and what their goals are um, and then the teacher and and their relationship with their students and and totally. what their goals are but mm-hmm. Um, Do you feel like there's, like, a little bit of, like, a dilution of the market now that everybody is, like, pumping out videos for social Mm -hmm. media, Mm -hmm. you know? I think that it's hard to, like, feel nervous speaking on these things because I'm like, oh, I don't want to, like, hate on anyone. Yeah. Um, Because I think everyone, you know, I don't think there's ever one right answer. But I do think one of my concerns is that um, there's a, a... lack of clarity around the definition of professional artist. And I think that Mm -hmm. the tricky part about seeing all of these great, clean, fancy dance videos on Instagram is you start to think that that equals professional artist, but no one's making money. So then like you're not paying a rent by posting. I mean, some people are, right. <laughs> yeah. you know, if you've got enough followers and, yeah. you know, and, and you're, um, you yeah. have sponsorship, then maybe, yeah. yeah. but that's like, the but that's 1%. one piece of it yeah. and it's a very small percentage. And so I, I, the concern for me is you have people, um, kind of marketing themselves as professional artists, but they may or may not have the actual qualifications, right. um, or be putting in the time that other professionals in the industry would consider a professional standard. Right. Um, And that, I think, also comes with the increase in all of these training programs, which is awesome, you know, because they think there's really great training in the city. And I think uh, there's something really awesome about that sense of teamwork and community that they're creating. Um, But, yeah, I guess it's just making sure that collectively as a community we know what that standard of professionalism is and um does that it, and it's hard also it's art it's subjective right like yes. some people do this much training in this many hours and some people do something else and what's the work that they're producing what's their goal yeah. what's their 
yeah. demographic and yeah. what are they trying to say? What is their truth that they're communicating? Mm, totally. Mm. And this idea <laughs> or this like idea of being an artist or definition of being an artist is different for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And also like creating content, so much content mm-hmm. that without a full synopsis or a full development of it. Yeah. You're not able to really delve in and I feel like you're burning yeah. the candle on both ends because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. how long is it how long are you going to be able to stay relevant with that same exact style yeah or yeah. output yeah. yeah or you're just like making one minute videos for Instagram right mm-hmm. constantly mm-hmm. but not really putting in the work behind it right yeah or not I mean not develop it into a further idea into a production to create more jobs for more dancers you know mm-hmm. to like give back to the community right it's yeah. kind of sometimes feels like people are just doing it to promote themselves right and not mm-hmm. necessarily the community as a whole mm-hmm. mm, i hear that yeah right. i think it's an interesting topic yeah it is and I, I don't like i don't think there's one answer for everyone no. and i think it's important to have mm-hmm. you know different people doing different things um yeah but i do think it's important to talk about yes yeah. yeah. And just like hear the, people's opinions. Right, totally. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. like not to bash social media because we use it all the time. Right. Yeah. All like, the time. Every day I'm like, follow me so, or follow yeah. our new gal pal. Totally. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so okay, gal pal productions. Yeah. <laughs> right. Mm. Yeah. Um, is there anything you want to plug, Bo? Besides the one, the Besides show, on, show on the fifth, yeah, um, not really. I don't think um, this has been really nice. Mm-hmm. Um, you talked a lot about how you felt a bit inadequate or this imposter syndrome mm-hmm. that you've challenged, mm-hmm. that's challenged you um, yeah. throughout your dancing career. At any point, has that? Re- I mean, it stopped you a couple times in yes. the near future. Do you see <laughs> that happening anymore? Um, who knows. I, it's interesting because I'm at this point where I'm, um, I know I briefly mentioned I'm heading back to school. Right. What's it for? My current goal is to complete my master's in uh, psychotherapy and uh, work to develop dance therapy programming. Um, That's a very vague, long-term thing. Um, And I think I've been struggling a little bit with, this upcoming slash slightly in process transition because there's part of me that's questioning, you know, am I just, um, like, is this, where is this coming from? Is this need for transition coming from my desire to go into new territory or is it coming from this place of fear? Um, but I really do feel, you know, I hit a point like a couple years ago where I felt like in many ways I'd accomplished these major goals that I dreamed about for years and after that I was at this point of okay so what's next and this I feel is what is next for me because I was really thinking about I need dancing in my life all the time Mm -hmm. (laughs) just I feel like that capacity is shifting and evolving um and I know my own journey with therapy has been so, so beneficial in so many ways. So to continue learning about the healing process and how movement can be incorporated um, definitely feels like the right choice. I just think it's like the pacing of that transition um, that I'm just kind of trying to sit in as I navigate it. Instead <laughs> of like jumping in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because there's still things like projects that come up and things that I still feel excited about. So as much as I want to, you know, get to my next destination, I'm also trying to be conscious of enjoying this unknown. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Great. It's amazing. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, such is my life. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that's a good place. That's great to stop. See, it's been so nice talking to a dancer yeah. again. Oh, it's so nice talking to you guys. Yeah. Thanks again for having me. So so amazing. Um, so you can catch you on May fifth. Yeah, May fifth, Din of Shadows right. at Array Music. Um, you can. I'll post things on my Instagram. You can find it all there. Perfect. <laughs> and your Instagram is just your love dot Woo! Woo! Yeah. Amazing. Um, 
This has been... Oh, we didn't ask the question. What was oh, the yeah. question? Is being an artist killing you? Is it, is it fucking killing you? Is it fucking yeah. killing you? <laughs> yeah. It tries to, but so far I am persevering. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's amazing. Um, please subscribe. Please follow, follow us. us on Instagram and Facebook and Spotify Let's and plug iTunes. Let's our social media after we just bashed. <laughs> Uh, gal pal prods gal pal productions yes. being an artist is fucking killing me yeah Woo. amazing awesome <laughs>